This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've I spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. And welcome to the Doc and Guru podcast to all our listeners out there. It's a very special week, so a particularly warm welcome to all our Orlando Pirates uh, supporters who are, you know, most of them actually not leaving their homes. They're all working from home uh, this week after the weekend result. Or is that sulking from home? I'm not quite sure. I'll have to double check. But welcome to the Pirate supporters, and that'll teach you to come off your goal line, bef- you know, uh, and not keep your eye on the ball. But we've got, uh, keep talking about keeping our eye on the ball, we've got two of uh, really important people in our lives right now. It's Lynn Krog, Senior Research Strategist uh, from Spark Media, or in association with Spark Media rather than from Spark Media, I think, because you're London-based now. And Lynn, we're going to introduce mm-hmm. in a moment. And Kamohelo Apane. Uh, Kamu, you Corporate Affairs Manager at Spark. So welcome to the two of you. You look particularly well for a team that's uh, taken the roadshow for the launch of Roots 8 around the country. You look relaxed and well. I presume it's gone well. Come on. <laughs> Thanks, Gordon. Well, I actually happen to be one of those Orlando Pirates supporters. Well, in studio. I never. I did not hide away. I am <laughs> out of my bubble and shamelessly walking around in the streets. <laughs> well done on you. Well done on you. Nothing wrong with walking shamelessly. I've been an Arsenal supporter for many years. I understand the walk of shame better than many, many people. And I'm the Liverpool supporter, so I'm currently Indeed, doing the walk so of shame. Indeed, uh, so we're a bunch of... Well, actually, I'm not. I'm not a misery this time around. I'm happy. My, I had a marvellous football weekend, and I'm looking forward to the World Cup, so that's really going to be exciting. But come, come on, just before we get going on routes, um, which many of us do know in the industry... Just take us through a little bit of the background and the relationship between Spark Media, CACS, and the CTP Group. How, how does it all uh, come together, and and where? And then we'll talk about where Roots fits into that equation. 
So Spark Media is basically the sales and marketing side elements of the Caxton Group. We represent 119 local papers and we basically house the sales team as well as our marketing team and the ad ops team who are the key players in the actual advertising taking place in any of our local newspapers. So all the hard work happens at Spark Media. We generate the money and yeah, goes through to Caxton. Um, we are a print solutions based organization and have a reach of 3.9 million people on a weekly basis. Yeah. So it's absolutely huge. Um, I'm still amazed by it. And the most beautiful thing or what I take away from Caxton is even during COVID, they were able to deliver and get inside every single home. So they deliver at your door, whether you're in closed off estates, and that's something that we picked up in the Roots research that Lynn will give you a background of, that it's just amazing. It's incredible the reach that local newspapers have and how so many people or the community is just always just itching to mm. find out what stories are being shared. Um, are they going to be in the newspaper? Will their pictures be featured in there? Will their stories be pictured there? I mean, featured there. But really, our core business is speaking to our community and speaking to our people. So as much as we have clients that advertise in our papers, but our core or fundamental part is to always remember South Africans and remember not just we don't see them as consumers but more as humans as people um, and really communicating well with them and that's exactly what our papers do so we are a basically a non-bias um, organization in terms of we let you share your stories as a community we are your mouthpiece to share with your um, various uh, communities or local areas of What's happening? Um, is there a church opening? Or what's the latest sale at pick and pay? Or is there a grand rugby event in your nearest place? But it's just really, that's what keeps us um, together. And Spark Meet is exactly that. When I walked into Spark Meet about seven months ago, the one thing I felt, and I still do feel, is the sense of family. So as much as the business itself represents local people and local papers. But you'll be amazed at how the actual structure itself does exactly that, even in the businesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as um, staff members, we literally speak and feel like family members. We have found a home at Spark Media. And yes, of course, we fight, but don't all families fight. We have our siblings, we have our mothers, we have our aunts, we have, but it's the sense of community that's within that business. And I think that's the secret behind Caxton mm. still running um, so well and doing incredibly well the way that they do because internally they have that sense of community and sense of home yeah. in their business. Yeah, look, I, I think it's amazing if I reflect back over the years on Caxton's, you know, from the very, very beginning, uh, a handful of, of papers. I think the first one might have been Randberg, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, but... Uh, to, to see now that in many respects the, the Cacton paper is, is last man standing, which is quite remarkable and a testimony to the importance of community. Mm -hmm. And on on the podcast, we, you know, uh, we, we've been very, very vociferous about it. I certainly have the importance of community media, whether it's newspapers or radio, going into an election now, it's, it's absolutely mm -hmm. critical yeah. to have that grand, uh, you know, sort of grand swell of, of communication and a narrative controlled 
by communities, yeah. which is crucial. But Lynn, welcome, uh, welcome to the studio. Thanks for making the time. And sure. I, you, am I right? You're based in London now. No, I started my research career in London. Okay. And I hold a British passport. Ah, I'm confused <laughs> but about no, that. But okay. no, I'm working. I did consult for a while. Yeah. To Caxton, but now I'm working. I'm back there working. So. Okay, you're back. That's why I lost the yeah. plot because you were consulting for a while, and now yeah. you're back in yeah. driving the bus. Do you know what this this latest roots research was such a an evolution compared to the prior roots research. Yes, that it was important that I was actually back full time rather than simply consulting. So, yeah, I yeah, and look, not not to make you feel too uh, kind of proud of yourself, but I mean, a number of people commented on how nice it was to have a research minded person presenting research so it, congratulations it went down extremely well I, I went to the uh, the presentation up here in, jo in Johannesburg uh, at come and help me out here is it the Trist to a fabulous venue the Trist um, they are actually based in Woodmead really incredible people such I mean the owner of this business Mark Sham he would hate if anyone says a motivational speaker, but Mark literally just feeds into your mind. And he's so big on encouraging to have a positive mindset and well-being. And he's just, he started this business, I think, 2020. Mm -hmm. It was during COVID. And they're doing incredibly well. Yeah. He hosts a lot of SMME um, talks. He mm. does this incredible happiness workshop that our team attended. But um, I would say anyone out there, Google the Trist. Um, research Mark Sham and make a booking with yeah, his team because I, I, it's definitely worth it. We're un unashamedly commercial and when, when, when you've had a good mm -hmm. experience, this is the right place for a moment. I, I really enjoyed it as a venue. Yeah, um, good. Great kind of natural kind of rhythm and flow to the venue. But all right, enough enough of that. But talking about you know happiness and, and life coaches and motivational speakers, um, <laughs> your baby, uh, the Roots, I mean, I was trying in my mind to piece it all together and I could, I remembered RDL, which I think was Retail Dart and Lively. Yes, then there was Art, which was the actionable <laughs> regional retail and I can't for the life of me. Then Chirps. So when did it become Roots, and, and how long have we been on the Roots formula? And just give us a bit of a background, and, and uh, you know, where are we now? And, and with all of this, I mean, I'm going back, I guess, 25, 30 years in that narrative. Yeah. How come Roots is still such an important part of the mix? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, Roots, I've been involved in Roots since about 2005, which obviously ages me. So Camo was saying it's a family. I'm by far the grandmother, <laughs> <laughs> but a researcher as well. So I've, I've worked, started working with the Roots Research in 2005. And that was the beginning of a step change for Roots as well, because they were moving to Kantar as their research provider or research surveys as it was then. And it was done by research surveys all the way up until this current one. Every three years, Roots was repeated. And you ask Gordon, why, why does Caxton have to invest in their own currency research? And the reason is that no other currency out there measures local community newspapers. Mm. So we have to do it ourselves because it's very, very much footprint or geographically confined. So you need to be able to go in and research a very specific geographical area to get the readership of the paper. So we've said, I mean, we've got 115 titles across mm, the whole of mm. South Africa that we um, that we sell on. So we need to be able to show the correct footprint yeah. or the correct title 
to the correct person who's living within the correct footprint, yes. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that and no, that's never been able to be done by the other landscape surveys that are out there, unfortunately. Yeah. They give you the big picture, but they don't give you the picture of what I like to call local South Africa, which is everybody who has access to a local community paper. Yeah. And there is this perception out there that print is dying and national news is so readily available online and digitally and lots of people can engage with national news as it happens so the idea is there's n the necessity for the newspaper isn't there anymore for national news and local newspapers tend to get lumped in with that but the truth of the matter is is that local newspapers are a very different animal because they supply local news and they supply everything to do with that local geographic area, which isn't really readily available anywhere else. You try to do it digitally, and we do do it very successfully digitally, but there's something about seeing your face on a newspaper that is, or seeing your face in print that is very, very compelling to people. Um, I like to think yeah. of it as all this digital stuff. It's very fleeting, and you feel like it's up there somewhere. So if you don't like the look of yourself there, you can just think, oh, nobody's going to see it. Whereas in print, it's like it's permanent, it's there. No, I think um, it's the old ink, it's the mm. impact of ink on fingers. You know, mm. I think it, there's a certain gravitas. Um, you know, even with things like textbooks, uh, mm. you know, you, you want to feel it. I mean, you're either you're a, uh, you know, a, sort of an online reader mm. or you're a, a book reader. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've tried Kindle and it was mm. very functional when I was traveling, but there was no substitute for the look, the feel, the smell, exactly. the texture of the whole thing. But, I mean, I, mm. I get it. Roots is a currency survey. Mm. But that's quite limiting to think of it only in terms it's of a currency. I mean, it's, it's yeah. actually so much more. It's, it's an incredibly rich database yeah. within which currencies are located. Absolutely. So what we have to, we have to measure our currency, and we have to measure it geographically. With, so yes. this current Roots is 97 independently sampled geographic the defined areas across the whole of South Africa. While we're out there collecting the currency, we collect a whole bunch of other questions mm. that are going to be relevant, not only to our advertisers, but to any business that's trying to do business at a micro level, which mm. is actually mm. all business. Um, because once you understand your, your strategy at the micro level and you build from there upwards, that's, that's how you overcome your competition because mm. But you have to be flexible and you have to be agile. But the start comes from actually understanding who am I actually competing with in four ways compared to who am I competing with in Deepkloof and Soweto. Mm. And there can be two very different sets of people with different economic means with different, you know, different set of competitors. So you yeah. need to understand it. So the questionnaire opens up as many business categories um, as we possibly can. If, there's, if your actual category is not there, you've got the demographics to fall back on. Um, and that data is given back to our advertising community, given back to our non-advertising community, because the idea is, you know, what if you have something to help you, Mr. Businessman, to grow your business, ultimately you will come back to the community newspapers because they are they do deliver the biggest um, local geographically confined audience. Yeah. Um, and an audience that is paying attention to the advertising that's in the medium. Yeah. And that's something which is, you're talking about books and reading books. There's something very compelling about 
comparing product and price in a printed format in front of you okay. because you can lay them all out in front of you and you can compare. So just before I, I did the the um, the launch presentation in Cape Town, it was quite fascinating. There was a the tech guy who was helping me set up and he was asking me questions saying, what are you going to be presenting about and what's this all about? So I explained to him and I said to him, what newspaper do you get? And it was Table Talk up in, um, mm. up in the Cape. And then he said, yes, actually, I know exactly what you're talking about because what happens is that we get it delivered on a Thursday and then my wife and I sit and we lay all the advertising out and I get my cell phone and we take photographs of all the different product offerings and then we put them into files mm. and then on Saturday we go shopping and we start at the one end of the street and we walk around, walk to the other end of the street and then we open up and see where we need to, to go shop. So it's a tech savvy person. There's something that's difficult about searching product and price and comparing using a digital for mm. a, a laptop or a phone. Oh, you yeah. try and screen save and mm -hmm. you know sort of put them in a file somewhere, but it's not it's, quite the same. That's yeah, yeah, tricky. Yeah. So that, that's why print works as an yeah. advertising carrier. Yeah. Okay, and that's, that's part of what we discovered in the Roots research this time because yes. we asked a lot of questions about the shopping journey, which was very important for us to understand. And it's always been a theory before, but we've never measured it. So that's important. But then there's also like such fascinating information. For example... In my consulting years, I also did a lot of work uh, in the health field. So I'm, I'm sort of a personal, yeah, personal nutrition, and I've, I've done my masters in that. So I went and studied, and then came back to research at the end of the day. But when you have a look at the health space, and you start to see what it is that people are are suffering with, like chronic conditions that are out there. Never mind about how many people have been vaccinated and how many people mm, have had COVID, mm. and we've got that information by area. But just what people are currently suffering with, and headaches is always way up there, but anxiety has yes. just shut up. Since the last time we did Roots, it's actually fascinating how many people are suffering with anxiety. So we know that people are talking about it, but to be able to measure that information mm. and measure it by a four ways, which is, it's very high, compared to a mamalodi where it's actually not as high <laughs> and you sort of think well probably mamalodi's got more to worry about than four ways but actually maybe not so yeah, yeah there's such a lot of information in the yeah theater. no there is indeed it's, i mean you talk about anxiety mm, uh, you, mm. you've talked about being in cape town where the tech guy asks you mm. questions i actually wake up screaming at night at the prospect of being asked questions by the tech guy but uh, that's a different kind of <laughs> luddite response i think to technology but speaking of luddites mm. as well i mean um you know the, take me through some of the sort of the background on on the technical uh, aspects of it but you made it you made a comment at uh at the launch which mm. which kind of resonated with yeah. me that uh that from a technical perspective, been a lot of big, big changes in in, in the research methodology, and yes. it's and it's an evolution. I think you phrased it in the way we ask the questions, mm. not an evolution in the questions Absolutely. themselves. So, whilst you're probing a whole bunch of new stuff, mm -hmm. um, like anxiety in a mm -hmm. post uh, COVID pandemic uh, society, mm -hmm. a lot of the old stuff is there, so I, I can get a sense mm -hmm. of the movement as well. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Absolutely. You know, previously, 
um, Roots has always been done on a pure random sample drawn from a specific geographic mm, area. Mm. That pure random sample is households and interviewers are sent to the household and a face-to-face -face interview is done. There was no ways going into the research this year that we could use that methodology because I don't believe that A, you can get into the homes, B, spend an hour face-to-face -face with, a, with a respondent mm. and C, get truthful answers from them just because our world is very different now compared to previously. So we, even before 2019, we were looking at ways that we could move forward with the, the way we asked the questions. Now, do you know what, there's, there's the questions in research are good. The questions have been used for years and years and yeah. years and years. There's no need to change the questions. Yeah. What needs to change is how you engage with the consumer. You need to engage with them in a way that is easy for them to answer. They don't feel like irritated because you're taking up their time and they're going to answer truthfully. So the, the way forward for engaging with people, we believe, is online panels. Yeah. So we engaged with Borderless Access oh, 2019 even, just to say to them, listen, this is what Roots is about. Does your panel of consumers have the capability to actually do this type of research, mm. this magnitude of interviews at a geographic level? And it was a bit of a journey. So we started it in 2019 and there were talks and negotiations and all the rest. And then obviously COVID hit. And after COVID, there was absolutely no ways that we were going to be able to do face-to-face -face interviews for a whole 23,000 yes. sample. So we said, well, we have to we have to be brave and we have to measure local community print using an online consumer panel, mm. which, and within a geographically defined area, which if you actually think about the logistics of it, is quite a big scary thing mm. to do mm. for a print for a print operator, yeah. local print operator. So we did a, we said, but this is the way ahead. We looked at a number of different proposals and that we took borderless access eventually as the, the best approach. And we did a pilot for the first 10,000 interviews and we're happy with what we were seeing. And what's, what's really key is that we can compare our results now with the previous routes. You're expecting to see a bit of fluctuation mm. because mm. things have changed. But if the data had been completely out of the ballpark, then we would have been able to say, okay, this isn't yeah, working yeah, because they're not able to, mm. to get a random sample within an area. Yes. Uh, but we could compare every single area. And I was so encouraged but by how quickly a lot of the areas filled up and completed. And how, so the way that, getting technical here, but the way that, we controlled, not controlled, but made sure that the, the sample was properly spread mm -hmm. was by knowing how many interviews we should be getting by suburb. Yes. And then if that spread wasn't happening, then we knew that you were getting all the interviews in one little area or one little pocket. But I was so encouraged by the areas where that you were getting an absolutely proper spread of suburbs. And right. there were some near the end where it wasn't the case. And what we did then was we supplemented the 
the um, the interviews with some face-to-face interviews. Because okay. we I was going to ask about substitution. In. I mean, in the yeah. old face-to-face, there were rules of Absolutely. substitution, two houses Absolutely. left, one to the right or whatever. Do you, does that kind of stuff take place? And on, on, how do you control that? You, 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 can't, you can't control no. for it. But so then you just do a, do a random number generator within totally. a geospace or something Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like... You can you can try and control for that pure random face to face in house interview, yes. but just the logistics of an interviewer that's not getting paid a lot of money yeah. that has to knock on a door and get into a house and get in front. I can't tell you our last routes how many phone calls the local community newspaper branch got saying there's people here who are pretending to be interviewers. Can we trust them? Mm. Um, interviewers who had dogs set on them. Interviewers who it's just a very very tough thing to do and so i'm sorry but i don't believe that interviewers who are not getting paid a lot of money are going to persevere (laughs) for hours and hours to get those interviews and and and, you know to follow the guidelines on substitution perfectly it's just it's just unrealistic in in the modern world to anticipate that i mean um you know obviously uh, Mm. recently we had the launch of the fusion study as well so prc reed Mm. has got a uh, an online panel now. You've yeah. got uh, Catty on yeah. uh, on Ram. So I think that's just a reality of where that's we are. Where we are. Um, yeah. And in, in in sort of getting involved mm. with the fusion study, and I come back to mm. a comment you made earlier in that respect. Um, for me, what what is important is is that we recognise it's it's a global best practice. I mean, mm. Australia went online in two thousand and six. Mm. New Zealand went 50-50 online and face-to-face in, in 2016, and, and in 2020 they went yeah. they went online. So I mean, around the world, this mm-hmm. is a, a simple reality. We live in a data-driven data-driven world. Absolutely. But I mean, one of the key things, obviously, in the benefits to you, and then ultimately to me, uh, is is a cost-saving implication Huge. of it because we've been chatting about this quite a lot on the show, and recently mm. as part of the fusion rollout. For me, we talk about industry transformation, but you mm-hmm. cannot transform from the top down. It has to be bottom up. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to create a, uh, an industry where open source data is not available, it's only the blue chips that can afford it. You cannot get a bottom up approach. So between Roots and the Fusion study, mm-hmm. um, collectively, as, a, as an independent you know, who doesn't work on blue mm-hmm. chip clients, mm-hmm. I'm in the game. Mm. Without those two studies, I'm not even in the game. I don't even get in the door, let alone get a chance to do my work. So, I mean, I think controlling costs and, 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 and turning that into open source access is vital to transforming the industry Absolutely. from the bottom up. Absolutely. So yes. even to add on to that, um, something that we are actually actively going to do with the Roots research is to invest in your small medium enterprises and actually give them access to the Roots data. Because as someone who has a small business, to get the results of this, like this, the magnitude is huge. Mm. And to get access to all of this would be so costly. But our way to also give back to the community yes. is actually make, making this accessible to small businesses. And that's something we're committing to do in the next year. And um, potentially even partnering with Mark Sham for his small business yes. hub sessions that he yeah. has to allow small businesses to really fully understand um, what is four ways thinking yeah. because they are more micro driven versus yeah. a retailer, which would be, you know, on a macro perspective. But for them, this is so valuable. And I'll keep touching into this of saying, I just, I'm always in awe of 
the nature of how much the Caxton Group does for its people. Mm. Um, and maybe you actually don't know that the business is actually started by two teachers. I do. No, I do. I know, I, I know the two teachers well. <laughs> so uh, I do indeed know that. Um, but, you know, coming back, so I think if I write and saying your average, well, not your average, but the, the kind of regional sample size per community is something of the order of 300, which, yeah. is, mm. which is not a small sample no, no, in no, research no. terms. That's, no. that's a lot. And, you know, to come back to your point on whether you can use that at a mm. local level, I had occasion with uh, Roots 2019. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we haven't had the new data yet. Mm-hmm. I must ask you when that comes out. Um, and I was able to do uh, for a small business at Eastgate versus the equivalent mm-hmm. at Bedford Square mm-hmm. and was quite remarkable how granular you could get. And I think, mm-hmm. is the sample a bit bigger now or of the same no, magnitude? still the same. So, so, we so you may be at, you're able to maintain the sample. Yeah. Okay. Maintain the sample. So our key area is it's 300. We also do... We research the Western Cape, even though we don't actually have titles there. It's as mm. 24 titles, but we're still obviously offering a, a national picture. So we, and we have a, we ha- actually have a bigger Cape Town sample mm. this time in terms of the number of areas that have been covered. So you can get down, you need to be able to get down to granular level and 300 is yeah. a good sample size mm. per area to, yeah. for us to be able to look at, yeah. um, to look at the data. But also back to what Cam was saying, you know, we have a, a local sales team that takes out this data to all the local independent businesses yep. and then Spark Media takes it out to all the national players and data in my mind is only valuable if people use it so that's why open source data is so important you know you can actually hold it tight and and use it but this form of data this is this yep. is a give back and it's for people to use and often people think there's a catch, but there isn't a oh, look, catch. Th- there's always a catch. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that the catch doesn't necessarily imply that <laughs> you know, that there's some erosion of the quality no. of the data. Yeah. I tell you where the catch is, and mm-hmm. I think this is where you, as researchers, have mm-hmm. hoist you know cells on your own petard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the tyranny of the 95 percent mm-hmm. level of probability. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk has to work at the 95% level of probability because he wants his rocket to land on a ship in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> I get that. Mm-hmm. If I go to my client and offer them a 90% probability mm-hmm. that they'll get a result in their campaign, most clients will be extremely happy. And I'm intrigued. If, when you drop the 90%, you know, the 95 mm-hmm. to the 90% mm-hmm. probability, then 300 looks like a very big sample. And I, I, I just wonder, are we disappearing down the 95% probability rabbit hole when we're just making lateral, horizontal, tactical decisions? Yeah. We, we, prob- we probably are. I mean, yes, the bigger the sample, the better. And I'd say going from 300 to 1,000 is mm. just a waste of money because yeah. at the end of the day, research is only as good as the questions that are being asked and also it has to be interpreted mm. and it has to, mm. you have to have common sense coming yeah. into it and you always go back to the question when something's not looking and that that will have a bigger impact yes. on what you're seeing than yeah, yeah. what probability you're yeah. putting on yes yeah. certain things yes you've got to have high probabilities but yeah. other things no it's a map it's just giving you a bit of guidance you yes. know you still use your common sense but at least it's giving you the option to decide between an example that I used in the launch, you know, if you a pet food um, manufacturer who wants or pet, if you're going into the pet business and you're wanting to sell pet food mm, mm. Um, at a specialist store, the size of your market is X. So yes. we can tell you by area the size of your market. But also a really key thing that I found out when I was doing that analysis was those people who go to those pet shops want to go 
to strip malls. They don't want to go to big malls. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. <laughs> and just that's giving you at least a bit of a basis to work from when you're making a big decision. And that's, you know, that's... Yeah, that's why, that's why I think do. that kind of, I mean, location, 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 location fundamental principle yeah. of retail, uh, which is mm. why, you know, I looped back and said, mm. you know, roots are so much more than a currency survey, because mm. if I can extract that kind of information, yeah. uh, it's really, really worthwhile. Mm. But just looping back to some mm. of the uh, the findings, you know, from the study, there were some interesting things. You've alluded to one of them, mm. which was, you know, looking for deals. Mm. Um, and, you know, your your. Uh, example there of your colleague in Cape Town, yeah. people might be mistakenly thinking, well, that's a sample of one. But but the whole thing of looking for for deals, looking for value, mm. was was an intriguing post COVID mm. phenomenon. I think mm. that you you unpacked. Yeah, there's there's a lot of data out there, and there's a lot of um, yeah, a lot out there just showing that people are struggling financially at the yes. moment. Um, all the indicators are there, mm. and as an upshot of that. Everybody everywhere is looking for deals. Mm. They're struggling financially, but also people have been conditioned to look for deals. <laughs> mm. You go to Woolies now, and you look at the end of the at the end of the the row because you'll see what what is their special for dinner tonight. Mm. Mm. What's their two for the price of one? Yeah. Sorry, or two for three for yeah. the price of two deal? Because you've been conditioned to know that those things are coming, and people aren't stupid; they learn. Uh -huh. um, and and there's habit involved, so. That habit has been developed very nicely by everybody offering specials all the time. Like we're going into Black Friday. I mean, everybody's going to be doing their shopping over the next month because they've learned over the last mm. few years that this is yeah. when you're going to get the deals happening. Um, so because of that, everybody everywhere is looking for deals. Also because of all of the different things that are available to them, they know where to go and look. So the paper is a place that they look for product and price. Mm. Um, Online is a place that they go and look for for product for not product reviews brand reviews. Mm -hmm. I want to buy a toaster. What are the best toasters of 2022? They're going to look there. Um, that's going to take them into an online store like a Take a Lot, and they can do a bit of a comparison mm -hmm. there. But then at the end of the day, it's going to go. They're going to go in store, and they're going to check what's available in store and touch and feel it to make sure it's what they want. Um, so there's all these touch points along the shopper journey that are incredibly important. Mm. Um, and it's the same across every single area, whether you are a wealthy area. And I was actually just looking at the data today. Our wealthiest area is four ways here. Huh? I didn't oh. realize that. Yeah. Anyway, mm. our wealthiest area on um, routes this time around in terms of monthly household income is four ways. Okay. That's, yeah. that's, that's intriguing. Um, yeah. Just, you know, also yeah. while we added, what on earth is going on in, in Pusa Maritzburg, or Peter Maritzburg, <laughs> as it was formerly known. Uh, there was some, an intriguing set of uh, sort of interconnecting data from, from that part of the world. What was the story there again? I think... Was it alcohol consumption? Was yeah. like a I think because people have um, had alcohol taken away from them during COVID, they are now puzzering even more. And Peter Maritzburg the highest concentration of puzzlers <laughs> in terms of the number of people and the amount of alcohol that they that they're drinking so yeah well i mean at the end food. of the day so i mean just mm. coming back to uh, the deal thing i mean mm. and bringing it back to currency which i guess is important obviously the the, the currency figure is there the trading figure mm. is there um 
for those who want to balance it out, you've still mm. got circulation figures and all that. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, this is yeah. a very safe space to operate from as a media procurement person. Yeah. You get both sides of, of the coin. But one of the things which I think would probably have emerged from Roots, because mm. we haven't had the data yet, yeah. um, is the role of loose inserts again. I mean, yeah. they, mm. you know, that's well, – I look at them um, and think, eh, not for me right mm. now. But when I'm in the mood, then they are for me right mm. now. And that's it's, it's all about timing, isn't it? All about timing. You know, there's there's people in the market for what you're selling every week mm, or every mm. day. You can't predict when your mm. your stove's going to break or your toaster's going to break or your. So there's people in the market all the time. Yeah. Um, and if you want to sell to as many of those people as you can, you actually have to be nudging them continuously. Yeah. So like you've just said, you know, those inserts provide yeah. advertising that gets attention and it's. A place where a decision is made in terms of what price am I going to pay and what re- what retailer am I going to yeah. go to? I've already gone online and decided I want the Smeg toaster, but who's actually offering it and what price are they giving me? And I'm going to go yeah. through those catalogs and look and say, okay, Hershey's is probably a good bet for me because that looks like the best yeah. price, yeah. and that's going to determine where you go. Yeah. And that's something that you're spending a bit more money on, yeah. but that. That is happening for your food and groceries. Mm. So you talk, most people do a bulk food and grocery shop, but they don't necessarily only go to one place. Mm. They do it all on the same day at the end of the month or in the middle of the month. But like I said, my guy, (laughs) my Cape Town guy, they go and get those things there. They go and get those things there and they go and get those things there. So it's spread across the three big retailers that happen to be close to each other and convenient for them to get to. Yes. Um, Which is... I found that very fascinating because yeah. I didn't realize. I thought, okay, pick and pay is probably getting the main bulk yeah. shop, but no, a third, a third, a third. Yeah, look, that whole resale dynamic has shifted with, mm. uh, you know, checkers in the 60-60. The whole mm. dynamic is, is, is really a fascinating case study in yeah. and of itself. Um, but, yeah, I guess we come into the wrap-up time. And, of course, we're missing mm. the doc. He's still working hard in Cape Town. Well done, doc. Just uh, bring the money home. Bring the bread home for... For the rest of the family, <laughs> pleased to see you out there earning a living. Um, wh- where can we or when can we expect this to be dumped so onto Telmar and Clear Decisions? The um, the data is currently already on on Telmar. Okay, if so you just if you just drop us a, an email, then we'll give you oh, access. Oh, you get the you get, yeah. get the thumbs we'll up. Okay, so and we can do that through. I mean, the Spark. Uh, what's the website page there? So come the on? website is www.sparkmedia. .co.za and we actually are launching a new website which we're super excited about and that'll probably be in the next week and all the summarized information will be there. Okay, so awesome. so give it give it a few days to settle, and it'll all be up. We've got the website, and we can we can yeah. access what, what whatever we need. So, uh, yeah. guys, thanks once again. I think you know, for, on behalf of all the independent freelancers and people like the Abstract Club, you mm. know, that's the biggest single grouping of freelancers in the country. Mm. Um, to uh, yourselves, Caxton Spark Media Roots team. And, you know, if I'm going to steal some of your show, if I may, to, to the Fusion <laughs> yeah. team, BRC, PRC, no. and everybody. Guys, uh, you know, without open yeah. source, we're out of the game. Yeah. There's no transformation from the bottom up without data. Mm-hmm. So between Roots and uh, and Fusion, I'm, I'm like, really and looking forward to getting my head down the next few weeks and, and, and playing thing. with the stuff. Yeah. I was at PAMRA last week. Oh, yes. And we were, so how did ex- it go? Very, very exciting. And so exciting to see some of the work the BRC is doing with the radio measurement stuff that's going to be coming out next year. Very exciting. It's such an interesting 
space at the moment because media is so fragmented. How do you plan on it? It's just, and, you know, we were all so spoiled when we had amps. <laughs> we mm. just had one single source, but that doesn't work anymore because the work. environment has changed such a lot. But there's such exciting developments coming up. I just wish, as an industry, we could all just come together and have one thing that measured everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, and wouldn't it be exciting? Yeah, and and, and, and I think in the fullness of time, let's yeah. hope that we start, yeah. you know, uh, working together to, towards mm -hmm. that, that end objective. But, you know, the expectation that all of those things, um, I think Linda Stone was talking about uh, the principle of continuous partial attention mm -hmm. in 1996. Okay. You know, this is not a new phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, what does continuous partial attention mean? It means you are continuously paying partially. attention, but only partially. Mm -hmm. Very partially. So very mm -hmm. partially at best. Mm -hmm. So... The expectation that one person can be the perfect mirror of all of those behavior patterns is, is unrealistic. But fusion and all the clever things you guys do, you know, going forward can bring it back. Mm. I just want one point of access. I don't need good. one point of research. Yeah. I need a point of access, yes, which I think exactly. is what it's all about. So, Gordon, uh, sorry, yes, just to close yeah. no, off. No, you're very welcome. Um, just if anyone's looking to directly communicate with us, so besides looking on the websites, you can pop us an email at info at sparkmedia.co.za or you can search for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, Spark Media SA, and we will help you. Literally just a message away. Yeah, and I think also if I could just throw in there because uh, you can get the launch on YouTube. I think there's a YouTube yes. clip. So yes. if you want to actually go through the whole launch, which I would recommend the, the listeners mm. do, go and actually have a, a view of the launch before you play with the data. It'll give you the, the, the sort of helicopter drone perspective. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, Lynn, thank you. Kamu, thanks so much for, for joining us today. And Doc, i um, be missing you here. And uh, I need you back here working because I'm taking off uh, the back end of November for World Cups. So I have no intention of doing any work <laughs> when the World Cups on, Doc. This is going to be your show for a month. <laughs> guys, to all of us, thanks for joining us. Uh, Lynn, Kamu, thanks thank for coming. Thank you so much for thanks, having us. <laughs> Let's keep talking. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.